We don't play the social game. We are social. Power 98.5. You're listening to Power 98.5, powered by United Angels Dream, your number one resource for public relations, entertainment, and multimedia. Contact them today at unitedangelsdream.com. Prepare yourself. Okay, let's go. Hi, this is Dan Aykroyd. He's progressive. He's beautiful. He's thoughtful. He's intelligent. He's powerful. He's positive. He is Stephen Cuoco on Power 98.5 Satellite Radio. Empowering listeners from the U.S. to the U.K. Live on air with Stephen Cuoco. We're rolling it out. 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, baby. Rita, where are you? Oh, I'm in sunny San Diego, California. Oh, and you missed a two and a half feet of the motherfucking snow. (laughs) (laughs) I do not miss it at all. Not even a little. Oh, my God. I'm going to tell you. We talk about neighbors. We had snowblowers going. I borrowed my neighbor Kelly's snowblower. I mean, thank God. But I'm going to tell you, I used every single muscle in the body. And what I'm really happy about is I feel like I my ass was lifted up about five inches with all the squatting I did while picking up that freaking <laughs> snow. And let me tell you, that snow was heavy because we had freezing rain and then ice mixed in with it. So, Oh, my God. Yeah, I was brutal. putting the squats to to work baby wow wow that so I- sounds brutal man. i'm not gonna lie i don't miss that shit at all i miss living in new york i really do i love new york um it made me the woman that i am today honestly but the weather i just i can't anymore i can't i can't even handle the winter here in california oh well what is winter in california um, I think it's like 60s and it gets to like 50s, but it's a cold, it's a cold 50 and a cold 60. I swear it is. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing, Rita. The only thing you've got to be careful for when going out there in winter time is if, if it rains, cause you know, they can't even drive in rain out there. That's true. I stay home when it rains. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even try. I'm like, I'm scared for my baby. I do not want to bring her out when people oh. are on the road and they do not know how to drive as it is. Let alone when it rains. <laughs> I want to so funny. I want to thank everyone for tuning in live on air with Stephen Cook on Power ninety eight point five. It is a beautiful evening. It is clear skies out. I uh, am going to have a couple cocktails tonight. It's that time. It's that day. It's that season, and I really feel in a mood to just relax. Uh, I've got Rita Pira here with us today. On Power 98.5, she's an extraordinary, extraordinary young woman. She's doing incredible things. When you hear about her story, and I'm going to read this brief, brief description. How I went from being a world-class, insecure, people-pleaser, and queen of self-sabotage with severe imposter syndrome and a splash of trust and daddy issues that was extremely codependent, needy, full of self-doubt, and feared judgment, attracting toxic relationships and feeling completely purposeless, to falling in love with myself and my life and empowering women all over the globe to do the same. 
Tell us more. Crazy, right? Crazy, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty wild. So you know the the things that you learn as a child subconsciously, um, limiting beliefs, things that are just blocking you. You're in your own way, and you don't even realize it. But it's basically survival strategies that we developed as children, as as kids from age zero to seven. Our brains are purely subconscious. And so we, we don't even realize it, but we're developing this whole belief system just to keep us safe from things that are external um, from us. So say, for example, back in the day when the day was back, we were running away from saber-toothed tigers. And so now the saber-toothed tigers are trolls all online, right? So you are afraid of judgment. You don't want people to talk about you. You stay small and safe and in your little familiar comfort zone, no matter how much you're suffering, you still stay in that familiar zone. And I realized that I was doing that, <clears throat> excuse me, so I, I pulled myself out of this toxic relationship recently. And this is, I think, what really pulled me into the state of being in love with myself and in my life because I forced myself to be alone and I was thriving alone. And I read a lot of books. I did a lot of meditating. I just had this whole experience of this dark night of the soul, if you've ever heard of that. But yeah, it, I, I don't even know where to start with this, but it's just, we all have it. We all have it. And I see my friend Nando just came in. He is like the king of um, imposter syndrome. And we do a room together um, on Clubhouse about it. And it is seriously like something that we deal with regularly. It does not go away. So let's we, start here. Mm -hmm. uh, and you just highlighted it. To those who have not heard of it, and I'm going to tell you, Rita, many people don't know what it means. May uh, I believe may not have heard of it. Um, working in the mental health field many years ago, describe to us exactly what does severe imposter syndrome mean? Yeah, great question. So what I feel that it means is, is that when you are feeling like a fraud, when you are feeling inspired to do something, you're like, I, I want to be an actor, an actor, actress, or I want to um, become a doctor, or I want to um, become a motivational speaker, an author, whatever, whatever aspirations, whatever things are like tugging at your heart that you want to become or do with your life. And then you start to feel this like negative voice in the background that becomes louder and louder and louder and talks you out of things and tells you you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not worthy. Who are you to do this? You don't have the credentials. You need to go to school. You need to do this. You need to do that. And it gives you this sense of feeling like an imposter, feeling like a fraud. Um, and that I believe is imposter syndrome pretty much in a nutshell. And I heard somebody say something recently that really stuck. stuck. Um, it was that imposters don't feel imposter syndrome. So that, if you think about it, is like, oh, so then I'm not an imposter because I'm feeling imposter syndrome and it's just my own self-doubt creeping in. Interesting. Where did it begin for you? Where did or when did you realize that these feelings and thoughts of self-doubt, fear, and judgment, was it at a young age? How has your relationships been with other people due to these certain circumstances you were facing? Yeah, that's a great question. I was, so ever since I was a kid, really, I was always a people pleaser. I was always just wanting everyone to like me and doing everything that I could possibly do to take care of the people around me. It's deeply rooted in my culture um, as an Assyrian woman. I am a nurturer. I'm a caregiver. I, I put other people first. And I witnessed my mom do this my entire life, 
where she was just putting everybody before her. And I, I believe women in general, we typically do that and we put ourselves last. We fill our, we fill everyone else's cup before our own. And just the, the fact that we feel like we have to do that to earn love, to be worthy of love. That is where it gets toxic. And that is where we end up suffering. And was that carried into, because you did share earlier in your statement or reference of daddy issues, how were your relationships with men or with uh -huh. people in general? Was it just men that the daddy issues tend to affect or infect or was it across the board with anyone? Yeah. Oh my gosh. My belief system was to worry about what other people think, to take care of everyone else first, never leave the man that I'm with no matter what. And to give, 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 and never take to like earn or be worthy of love. And it just was really impossible for me to allow anyone to do anything for me. It could have been a friend. It could have been a sibling. It could have been a guy I was going out with. And I had this pressure of having to get married and, and have kids just culturally and as a woman. And so I found myself in relationships where maybe I was giving off this energy of like, I have to find someone. And I was maybe even willing to settle just so that I could reach this goal that was not even mine. Um, and with the whole thing with my, my dad, I, I saw my mom stay with my dad all these years, even though I was 12 years old telling her to get a divorce. Kids are really smart. They're really intuitive. They're able to see what's going on without you. You're thinking you're hiding things from them. But if you're staying with someone for the kids, you're doing more harm than good honest and I'm I mean I'm speaking from experience and from my own personal experience but also from friends and coaching clients and whatnot that I've seen in the past but um with my relationships with men being a, being this person who was a people pleaser a giver and just putting myself last all the time I lost myself in the process this is what this is why it becomes toxic toxic you put yourself last and you lose yourself in the process of being with someone else. They become your entire world. Your happiness depends on them. And that is not healthy at all. And so every relationship that I had been in, it was going to, I was gonna self-sabotage because my my inner being, my soul was suffering. It's like, this is not right. You're forcing this. You're forcing this to be the case because you're supposed to get married. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. So not until not until I realized, hey, you know what? I don't have to live my life this way because X, Y, Z person told me to, or my culture told me to. I'm wearing this this skin suit. I'm this soul that's on this this earth living a human experience. I'm here for a purpose. And for 10, 11 years, I suppressed those feelings and those desires of, of feeling that I was meant for more, needing to do this or that or the other to please my family, to please my parents, to please my culture, to protect our our reputation at all costs. Like what people think of you is everything. And that's just so ridiculous when you think about it. Like how are you gonna end up on your deathbed full of regret because other people told you who to be and what to do with your life and you lived it out of fear of disappointing somebody. It's crazy. You wrote from ages zero to seven, your mind is subconscious. It is picking up things and forming a belief system that runs the show when you're an adult. Do you believe you completely or nearly addressed subconsciously 
things that had happened in your life to where you finally feel like you've gotten your life back. You've taken your sanity back. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure there's way more to learn and uncover as I'm, you know, going through this life. I'm never done learning, but I definitely feel that I've healed quite a few of the major things that blocked me because when you read my little intro there in the beginning, I'm no longer any of those things. Do they creep up from time and time again? Yes, absolutely. But I'm able now be to, because I have the tools, right? And I've recognized the whole thing is becoming self-aware of them. So as long as you're aware of these thoughts that creep in and what's going on and you're paying attention to how you're potentially feeling about them and reacting, then you're able to talk yourself off the ledge and not go that path, not go that route. Because if you're not happy and at your best with yourself, if you don't love being alone by yourself, if you don't like who you are when you're alone and you're by yourself, you, you're not going to be happy and at your best when you're with anybody else. You need to work on you and then come back and be in a relationship. Because if you're not in a place where you're in love with life or in love with yourself, you're living in anger, you're living in hostility and judgment and fear, you're drawing that into your life experience. And the thing is that you you want to be able to identify what your values are and align with those things. So like everything that you want in life, be that person, become that, and you'll attract that into your life. Because emotions are really, emotions and really are energy and motion. So if energy is attracting what's coming into your life, your feelings are essentially attracting and creating your life. And feelings come from thoughts and thoughts create beliefs. Did you so beliefs ever, are just thoughts on repeat. No, exactly. Mm -hmm. And with that, did you ever get married? No, no. And I almost did. I could have been married five times by now. Really? I was like, no, every single, I swear, I was like runaway bride. Every single time I got close, I ran for the hills. I was like, wow. no, 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 no. This doesn't feel right. This is not meant for me. Because I knew I was not at a place where I, my life, I didn't want to be a wife and have kids and you know, just have a regular job as a teacher and live happily ever. I would have ended up miserable, stressed, sick, tired, just unhappy. Like, what's the point of being here? I felt called to do more. And I, I've been just, you know, the whole imposter syndrome thing, I've been talking myself out of doing these things that I know I'm meant to do. And I'm doing now because I decided, hey, you know what? I'm here for these reasons. I'm going to see them through because I don't want to end up on my deathbed full of regret for not doing what I always have been feeling called to do. It's just this voice in your head that keeps telling you, hey, remember this idea you had? Hey, remember this thing you're good at? Hey, remember this like business, whatever, or this thing that you wanted to do all your life and you're not doing it? Like, why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you doing it? It's this nagging voice. You are qualified. Do it. You'll, you'll be supported. Do it. But we talk ourselves out out of it, out of fear that we're not good enough. We're not smart enough. People will talk, we'll be judged, we'll be ridiculed, we'll be found out. Like, it's so, so sad how many people I know that have such beautiful potential and gifts that they're not bringing forth out of fear of not being good enough, out of fear of failure, out of fear of success too. Our fears, our subconscious fears keep us stuck just because we'd rather stay in the familiar, in the suffering. We stay in the suffering instead of pushing ourselves to something new. Because the thing is that we feel fear and retreat. But instead of feeling the fear of the unknown and being scared and staying stuck, be excited about the possibility of less suffering in your life and your purpose and your passion and, and greater, amazing, magical things on the other side.
What would be the number one theme that continues to play over and over again with your clients that are absolute strangers, most likely may have never met each other before? What would be the common theme, once again, that you tend to witness and experience and talk about and discuss with your clients over and over and over again? Yeah, it's it's always coming back to the feeling of not being worthy, not being smart enough, not being good enough, that, that imposter syndrome and just fear of judgment and what people will think and disappointing family and culture and doing what we're supposed to do, what we were con- conditioned to believe is right. That's coming up almost every time with every client of mine and friends, family, everyone. Yeah. You wrote in 2019, I wanted to become a life coach after I took Gabby Bernstein's Spirit Junkie Masterclass and realized how much I had healed and been through. I felt like my healing could have helped, could help heal others, but I'm not ready. I need XYZ credential or certificate first. I need another certificate. (laughs) Look at where you're at now. What, how did you get through that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It, I remember that um, so vividly. And if I had started back then, I don't know where I would be right now. Right. That's what, that's the crazy thing is you don't want to have another five years or 10 years pass and you go, okay, I'll start now. If you start right now and just push through that fear, you'll end up on the other side looking back like, man, I'm so glad I started. What was I afraid of? That's really what got me going because right now I look back at the year 2010 where I first became raw vegan overnight. I, I started a blog called rawrita.com. I had these amazing recipes and people were loving it. And then one negative comment, just one scared me back into this retreat mode, like fear, like, oh no, oh no, people will talk crap about me and I can't put myself out there like that. And so I took out, I took down the whole website and this was before vegan and plant-based and juicing before all that shit was cool. So imagine if I had stayed doing that from back then where I would be in that health and wellness and plant-based industry by now, Mm. who knows? But I do believe everything happens for you, not to you. And that was a lesson that I had to learn. And now whenever I see a negative comment, which I haven't attracted negativity in my in my awareness, I'm not even looking for it. So I'm not going to find it. That's another thing I, I, I started to realize is that I used to look for the evidence to prove myself right, to prove my fearful mindset right. So I'd walk into a room and assume, I'd assume I'd expect the women to hate me, to judge me, to send me negative energy. And now I walk into a room and I expect and blast love at everybody who's coming my way, who's in the room. And they feel my love. They feel my energy. They feel that I'm a good hearted person. I mean well, and I am just full of love and joy and want the best for everybody. So I'm sending that energy out versus the fearful energy and, and assuming and expecting negative things. So where was I saying before that? I don't even know. I go off on tangents. <laughs> no, hey, it's, it's working. Listen, and, and with that, I want to thank everyone for tuning in live on air with Stephen Cuoco on Power 98.5. We have an incredible uh, young woman, Rita Pira. She is helping women and people across the board 
uh, within their lives, helping them to get through the struggles of uh, identity crisis, stress, uh, areas of life, all the way to where, um, to read this, one woman that I met one day at a bar recognized me from a mutual friend's Instagram, and she shared a little about her situation. She was with a really toxic guy for 10 years that was mentally, emotionally, and physically abusive. He even hit on me in front of her. Our mutual friend told me, don't bother, she will never leave him. How many times do people really believe, especially in this day and age, Rita, people are so conditioned to believe that someone who, like this woman, believed that her self-worth would never get out of this situation. And you continue by saying that um, you felt a calling to help her. What happened in that situation? And do you know where that woman is at today? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought this up. This is seriously one of the, one of the transformative moments of my life when I realized I truly am able to help people, help women, especially transform their lives in one day with me. And this was not the first time. So it just, it, it gave me that validation that like Rita, you have something that inspires people. You can do this. You are meant for this. The way that I connect with people, it just, it, it, that's how I felt like I was called. I was pulled. I was drawn to helping her. I didn't have to, but I did. So what ended up happening was I invited her to come stay with me just to get away from this guy for a day. I literally met her at the bar. I didn't know her, but we had mutual friends that were there and she recognized me from a friend's Instagram. Mm -hmm. So she said, okay, let's, let's do it. I'd love that. Thank you. I'm, I'm standing outside with her, calling an Uber to drive us back to my place. This was when I was living in New York. He comes over and he grabs my phone from my hand. He chucks it across the street. It was like, I don't know, two, 300 feet or something. And I went to go get my phone. I come back to seeing her on the ground bleeding from her freaking head. Ooh. And it was chaos. Everybody was like running around, trying, freaking out, didn't know what was happening. And there's bodyguards, security, police, all their friends, all her friends were calling me an instigator. And a part of me felt like it was my fault. But I, like I said before, everything happens for a reason. And instead of just for you, to you. And I don't believe in coincidences. And I happened to be there that night for a reason, for this girl. And so I went to the hospital with her that night. We were there till like 7 a.m. I brought her to my place. I gave her clothes, a towel. After she woke up, I made her breakfast. I made her a green juice. And then I drove her all the way to Harlem from Queens, okay? Like that's a long drive <laughs> and traffic. I took her all the way to Harlem and we met up with her sister. She greeted me with a, with a hug. She was crying her eyes out. She was thanking me. She said, we've been telling her for years. We've been trying to get her to leave him. She never, ever, you know, would leave and thank you so much for being there for her and all of that. I received a text one day from her asking her to, she was asking me to meet up with her because she wanted to thank me in person. So it turns out that because she left him, she finally left this guy because he pulled, he basically like she had stitches on her forehead from him. He, he literally pushed her so hard that she fell and busted her head and had to spend the night in the hospital and stories that she told me before he pulled a knife on her. She had her hair up in a ponytail. One time he had pulled up the ponytail out and say, you look like a boy. I don't like that. Don't wear your hair like that. She wouldn't um, be able to go out with friends. He made her stay home while he went out. And I'm just like, how are you allowing this to be your life? 
How are you allowing this to be your life? Because you don't have to be here. You can absolutely leave. It's kind of like this this one um, story I, I've read somewhere. I don't remember where. But there's a baby elephant that's tied to like a fence or something. And it, it tries to get out and it can't. He's stuck. He tries again. He's stuck. He tries again. He's stuck. So he's conditioned to believe he's stuck and he cannot ever leave. Until he grows up, he becomes a big giant adult elephant. And he's still chained to this little fence, unable to leave because he believes in his mind that he's caged. He's stuck forever. And so that's kind of like how she was, where she didn't believe that she had other options. She felt stuck. He brainwashed her to believe that nobody else would love her. This is all she was worthy of. No one in, and this is it. This is her life. And that's just, that is it. They've invested so much time and all of that. So she stayed and stayed and stayed. So that's when she reached out a couple of months later. I thought she went back to him. I don't know what happened. She wasn't answering my text until one day she reached out to me and she said that, she um, wanted to meet up to thank me in person. And she said that, that she got some uh, New York housing lottery out of nowhere so quickly that she won um, the, the housing lottery to get an apartment on the water, like mm. on the water at the lowest price you could think of. And she's she started dating an NFL player. And then months later, we connected again. And she told me that she and her high school sweetheart just both happen to be single now and connected. And they're pregnant and they're moving in. They're buying a house. Like she told me she does not even recognize the woman that she was when she was with that toxic guy. Looking back, she's like, I was brainwashed. I can't even believe that was me. And she just has so much confidence and so much joy. And she's just such a happy, beautiful person right now. And it's just magical. It's amazing to see that she changed her life just after that one day of being like shaken to her core. And that's what I encourage people to realize that everything happens for you, not to you. And instead of going, why me? Why is this happening to me? Look at the lesson. Look where you can grow. Look where there's healing for you to, to do. And everything is a life experience to, to grow you. Every relationship you're in is meant to grow you, to evolve you to the next level of you. Mm. And yeah. you showed up. I showed up. Mm -hmm. I had to show up. And now I'm showing up through my podcast, <laughs> through my book. Through, my, through coaching, and I just uh, started my YouTube channel yesterday, and I was oh. on the phone with somebody um, who's, who's an international speaker, and he heard a bunch of my stories, and he's just like, oh my God, I cannot wait for us to be back on stages again. You are coming with me, and you're going to be on all of them. So I'm really excited things are happening, and it's all because I took that 20 seconds of courage. I launched my podcast. I'm sharing my story. My my I have so many different stories that touch people in different areas of their lives where they're stuck. And I believe that it's my purpose to share. It's my purpose to teach people about the corrupt food system that they're poisoning themselves. It's my purpose. It's my calling to share that your mindset is creating your life experience, what your beliefs are, where they came from, identify what your patterns are, find out who you are really at your core. Do you believe that what you crave, what you're desiring, what's on your heart is actually possible for you? Because if not, then you're the one blocking yourself from achieving what it is that you are wanting in life, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a, a, a career or some sort of purpose that you're feeling called to. If you don't even believe that's possible, there's a vibrational mismatch happening from what you're thinking to what you're feeling. Therefore, what you want will not manifest.
I want to thank Alicia for joining us uh, today. Just to let everyone know, we are live on air with Stephen Cook on Power 98.5. In the blast out that I had shared about Rita Pira, we are doing our live interview through and on the Clubhouse app. Uh, This way to extend it even further, uh, be able to connect with those who may have questions or who may want to add some input. Rita is a holistic life coach, a speaker, a writer, and manifesting queen. And I'm going to say, I just had a deja vu. You did? <laughs> I did. What I just had a deja vu. I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm uh, reading your, your information, your title to be very specific um, in this sharing with the listeners. And it just, it just came through that, you know, I did this before. So I just wow. got a sign from God in the universe that I'm I'm right where I'm meant to be and what I'm doing is what I'm supposed to be doing in this moment with you. I love that so much. Oh, that that just fills my heart. I love hearing when people have these moments of like I'm in the right path. I'm on the right path. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be because there is no wrong path. You're always on the right path. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of you're keeping if you're keeping yourself stuck on it. And, you know, it's really funny. I did a, a random reel the other day on uh, on Instagram. And all I, all I did was smack the phone and go, hey, you, you, stop doing shit you hate. Mm. <laughs> and like, people, are, people are loving it. It's so funny. Because it's true. It's like you are forcing yourself to live a life that's making you miserable, that's making you yeah. suffer. Stop doing things you hate. Stop people pleasing. Stop putting yourself last. Stop self-sabotaging and stop making excuses and get out of your own damn way. And the magic, let it happen. Let it flow. There's so much waiting for you on the other side of your comfort zone. And that is the thing that I preach, I think, more than anything, is just to get people to take action, take this baby step. Like, for example, when I was living um, in Chicago and I was working in a cubicle, I felt like, oh, this is not, I'm not happy. Like, who's really happy in a freaking cubicle? Tell me who is, right? Like, come on. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting in this cubicle and I'm like, this is not cool. I don't like this. I went online on Craigslist. This is before Craigslist was creepy. This was like 2007, 2008. And everything on there was pretty legit. And so I found this application for something called the tr- the um, truth tour. And I was like, what is this? I didn't really know what it was. I, I looked at the application. I was like, eh, why not? Right? It came to me for a reason. Let me go with the flow, see what happens. I fill out this application. And it's asking me questions like, what would you do with a million dollars? And I'm like, I don't know. I'd buy everybody and their mother's gas. Because gas was like five bucks a gallon there in Chicago <laughs> at the time. And uh, then they called me and they're like, congratulations, we want to set up a 15 minute phone interview with you. I was like, cool, let's do it. So set that up, did that call a month later. Congratulations, you made it to the next round. We want you to send in a three minute video of yourself. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, cool, done. Let's do it. So I sent that video in. Then they call me again. Congratulations, you made it to the next round. We want you to fly to New York to audition in person. And I was like, oh my gosh, so cool. Wow, I can't believe it's amazing. I'll be there. I'll see you there. I didn't even think about, hey, do I have the money for a ticket? Do I have the money for um, the hotel? Um, Can I get the days off from work? Is this a scary? Should I even bother? What if I don't even get it? It's probably likely that I won't get it. So many people from all over the country are auditioning or applying. But I stopped myself from even having those thoughts. 
because I was like, you know what? This is coming to me for a reason. I'm going to see this through, whether it's just for having the experience, but I don't want to live with the, I don't want to live the rest of my life going, what if? Right. Mm -hmm. So I went straight to my boss's office. I said, hey, hi. So um, I have this like audition in New York that I need to go to. So I need these three days off, please. Thank you very much. She was like, um, yeah, no, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, OK, um, well, I'm going to go anyway. And if I come back to not having a job, then so be it. But I am not going to live the rest of my life wondering what if. I just cannot go through this life wondering what if. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that pushed me more than anything could have pushed me, I think. That fear of, what, like, what if I had done that for the rest of my life to think that? That's scary, man. So if there's something coming your way, whoever's listening to this, if you something, something has, has come into your life and you're contemplating whether you should do it or not, do it. Mm -hmm. Do it and expect magic. Do it and expect the most amazing amazing outcomes that of which you want will happen or better just have that mindset and expect miracles expect magic this is a good podcast episode i did um uh, I, I call uh, something about i forgot what i called it but like why you should always expect magic or something like that um, it was like one of my very first episodes um but so anyway back to the story i basically went to new york for this audition and i didn't even like worry about, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay my car note? How am I going to, whatever, what if I don't get it? None of those thoughts. I didn't even think those. I didn't want to manifest or attract that into my life. So I go to New York, I do the audition, this whole crazy long process, and I got it. I got picked out of thousands of people that auditioned for this tour. That and where what ended up happening was they put a microphone in my hand, mm -hmm. Stephen, and it made me learn and realize that, oh my God, I have a beautiful natural gift of speaking. And I would have never discovered this gift if I didn't say yes to this really scary thing and go on that journey. Because they, them putting a microphone in my hand and they said, go ahead. I'm like, what do I do? They're like, just go have fun. I'm like, okay. I did not want to give it back. I was like, oh my God, this is so much fun. It lit me up. It lit me up so much. And that's oh. the thing is like, you have to find what lights you up in life. You have to figure out what it is that lights you up and do that thing. That is your purpose. That is why you're here. We're not here to suffer. We're here to thrive. We're here to live. We're here to unfold. We're here to experience this thing called life. Not get married, have kids, have a job that makes us miserable, cook and clean and work out and, and then go to sleep. Like what? Mm -hmm. There's more. You're meant for more. What is that more for you? Figure that out. Exactly. Figure that out. That's what life is about. Because after me doing this tour, I went back to Chicago. I'm unpacking my suitcase. And a part of me is dying. Every, every little shirt I pulled out, because all I wear is crop tops. Every little shirt I pulled out. I'm dying a little bit, Steven. I'm like, how am I going to go back to normal life now after I got a taste <laughs> of magic? Because... So I was living like a goddamn rock star. I was like, oh. oh my God. I was hanging out with freaking Katy Perry, Gym Class Heroes, Cobra Starship, like a hundred other bands. I woke up in a different city every single day instead of waking up in a freaking cubicle for nine hours. Like my life transformed from one scary decision that I, your average person would have been like, I guess I can't go 
to this audition because my boss said no. A friend, it's crazy. It is. And you reminded me, a friend of mine in the mental health field, she, uh, she used to say to me, the moment you have doubt is the moment you made the decision. The only thing that's happening is, is that your emotional state of mind is just wanting to know, are you going to physically do it and take action or not? Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. Because I had that moment again where I was standing and I was unpacking that suitcase. And I thought to myself, God, how do I go back to normal life? Like, how do I do this? And I had this intuitive idea, like, to, to go and travel, do something else. And somebody called me right away. And they were like, from tour, this guy was like, hey, um, we're going to Vegas. We're doing a show. You want to come? And my intuition automatically was like, yup. Yes. Absolutely. Let's go. Let's do this. Where are we going? When? Tell me. Tell me all the details. Instead of being afraid, like, oh no, I have to find a job. I'm back here. You know, I got to get back to get back to it. Get back to normal living. So I booked the flight. Was repacking. Went to Vegas for three days, and it was the most amazing time of my life. And the last day, my third day, standing in front of the MGM Grand, suitcase in hand, ready to go back. Home, I felt myself dying a little bit inside again. Steven was like, no, stay, Rita, stay. You don't have to go back to Chicago. And I was like, who said that? Who said that? Where did that come from? And it was like my intuition telling me, hey, you don't have to do anything that you think you have to do. Exactly. You don't have to go back, right? Like you don't have to go mm -hmm. back because that's the right thing to do. The right thing based on whose, whose terms. Who's, who told you who to be? Who told you how to live? This is your life. The people that are talking crap about you, they're looking at you and they're probably envying you in some respect because you are living a life that they don't have the courage to. Exactly. Or they have some unfulfilled calling, right? That they're not seeing through. And so as I'm standing in front of them, Jim Grant, and I'm telling myself, oh my God, I don't have to go back. And I'm like, palm trees, pool party. Oh my God, <laughs> this is amazing. Great weather. Why would I go back to Chicago? Why? Why would I do that to myself? You know what? I'm staying. And then for a second, I was like, no, no, no. I need to go back. I need to get a job. I need to go back to living normal life. My mom's going to kill me. And, you know, because of my cultural whatever, it's like she's hiding. She's like covering for me because people are, where's Rita? Where's Rita? You know? And so even when I moved out and lived on my own or lived with a guy, it was all like, oh, where's Rita? Oh, she's, you know, she lives by herself. If I lived with a guy, she lives by herself. Like my mom was always ashamed of the way I was living my life because it wasn't based on the way that she was raised or the way that she believed was right. And the way that our culture, our society and whatnot believes is right. You know? And so I'm standing there in front of the MGM Grand having this crisis moment. And I was like, I'm going to trust my intuition. I'm just going to stay and see what happens. What is the worst that could happen? Mm -hmm. Oh, you don't know anyone here. You don't have the money. You don't have um, the place to stay. Like all these fears creep in. But I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Trusting that initial intuitive thought. I'm staying. So I turn around. I go to the MGM and the lobby. I give my suitcase to the bellhop. And I was like, hey, can you watch my stuff for a little while? He's like, yeah, sure. How long? I'm like, honestly, I don't know. I just missed my flight on purpose. We're going to see how it goes. He's like, okay, okay. I see you. That's cool. <laughs> so I turn around and I head toward the casino floor and almost immediately, Steven, it was like the universe was like, okay, you want to play? Let's play. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like, oh. choose your own adventure. 
Life yeah. is a choose your own adventure game. It's like, are you going to just play it safe? Or are you going to have fun and like see what happens and explore and meet people and say yes to shit and just be guided and let magic unfold? And so I get stopped by somebody right away. Like I didn't even make it a quarter way through the casino floor. I was heading to the pool. And this guy goes, hey, where are you going? I'm like, I don't know. I just missed my flight on purpose and just, you know, going with the flow. He's like, that's cool. Um, I am this VIP blah, blah, blah person. I have this uh, guest list and whatnot, VIP at the bank, at the Bellagio. You want to come? I'm like, sure. Why not? So I go that night to the bank at the Bellagio. I'm brought into this VIP. Next thing you know, I'm shoulder to shoulder with Leonardo DiCaprio. Ooh. in his vip okay so instead of being on a freaking plane shoulder to shoulder with some person who's gonna talk to me you know until i fall asleep or something i'm shoulder to shoulder with leonardo dicaprio like what that's crazy and then i end up getting a job with this guy i end up living with him for a month he let me crash there i was like chef rita earning my keep you know and then i found a place moved in and i had the job with him and I basically was, my job was managing a guest list. I was going to these bathrooms or these clubs, collecting beautiful women, like, hey, come to VIP with me. And they're like, okay. So I got paid for every single pretty girl I brought to the, to the pool parties or whatever club thing I was promoting at the time. And I got myself into some promo modeling. And then one day I was at the, at the mall and I'm at wet seal. I'm at the register. I'm paying. I see this guy from the corner of my eye. I'm like, oh, he's going to totally try to talk to me. And as I walked out, I'm trying to like beeline and dodge him. And he's handing out a business card to me. And I grabbed him like, what's this? And oh, he's a casting director for VH1. And he wants me to do this show called For the Love of Ray J because I look like Kim Kardashian. And I'm like, oh, okay. No, I can't do that because my mom would kill me. So that's where I said no for the first time. And that's where I wonder what if I had done that? And it scares me to think about I could have been maybe some big TV celebrity right now. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But because I said no to that out of fear of judgment, out of fear of my family being disappointed and um, people talking shit about me for my culture and whatnot, I said no. Then he goes, OK, well, you know, there's actually this Warner Brothers uh, movie that's being filmed here should be good. I'm like, OK, yeah, I'll do that. That sounds legit. And so they brought me over to this um, studio area where they were recording and they had me wear this bikini. They took a Polaroid of me and they said, go get your hair done, your makeup done, and then go get some breakfast and then we'll, we'll tell you where to go. So they sat me down at Caesar's Palace at this pool area. And there's all these people that are part of the, it was like closed off everybody's part of the acting scene so now whenever i'm watching a movie i'm analyzing everything that's happening in the background um and it's just part of like being behind the scenes for 14 hours it's like now i can't watch a movie just on the external side i'm like analyzing every little bit of it and watching people in the background fake talk it's really fun uh, but so before you know it i get messages from people um for on facebook months later they're like oh my god rita I just saw you. You're in the hangover. And I'm like, yeah, I told you. They're like, no, no, no. You're in it. You're in the hangover. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. They're like, no, no, no. You take up the whole freaking screen. It, I'm like, what? Oh, no. My mom's going to kill me. Like right away. My mind went to my mom's going to kill me. 
Like how have, how long have I been living my life out of fear of disappointing my mom and my culture and like everything that I've done as an adult, even till now, I still consider my mom will kill me or my mom would be disappointed or this will hurt her feelings or if she finds out about this, she won't be happy, but I'm doing it anyway now. I'm doing it anyway. And so I ended up in the movie, The Hangover. And all of these things, like uh, just so much magic un un unfolded. And I ended up, my me living in New York in 2014 mm -hmm. would not have happened if I didn't do this whole thing I just told you about. Because I met somebody on the tour, or not on the tour, that did the tour in a different year that I ended up dating long distance. Because if we, if neither, if neither one of us did that tour, we wouldn't have ever met. But if I didn't take that step, that scary step and do that tour, we definitely wouldn't have met and then dated long distance. And then suddenly magic, magically, wouldn't you know it, the school that I applied to, to work at as a teacher, um, while I was a college student reached out and they're like, Hey, we're considering application. I'm like two years later. Oh, and by the way, we're building a location in Brooklyn. Like what? How? Oh, I'm dating someone that lives in New York and you're building a location in Brooklyn and you're considering my application two years later. I was like, okay, universe, I see you. I'm done with Arizona now. I guess it's time on to move on to New York. And I knew that he wasn't for me, but I knew I identified that this was happening for me and I had to explore it. And I became the woman that I am today because I lived in New York, because I discovered Gabby Bernstein. I went through this whole dark night of the soul, peeled back the layers of who I thought I was and, and my calling and all that became very clear to me. It's just amazing when you look back at all of the breadcrumbs, you can identify where you've been guided, who you're supposed to be and who, who you really are and what your calling is, what your, your purpose is and what you've basically worn as a mask, as a costume, as an identity, as a skin suit or whatnot that is not your own, mm -hmm. that you picked up from when you were just a kid or from society. You're supposed to be a certain way. You're supposed to live your life a certain way, be a certain person, whether it's your religion or whether it's, you know, the way that you were raised or if you um, came from a broken home, so to speak, it all impacts the way you show up as an adult. So that is just a little bit of my story, Stephen. <laughs> and I'm going to have to watch The Hangover again and just see where you took up the screen. <laughs> yeah. You can actually Google it. My fifth grade students found uh -huh. the video clip on YouTube. And I was like, why are you guys even watching this movie? <laughs> but you could find it if you type in the hangover Stu's shining moment. It comes up right away on YouTube. And it's really crazy because, yeah, I thought I was going to be lurking in the background. I legit thought I was just going to be lurking in the background. I was hired on a, as an extra background extra, right? And mm -hmm. they ended up using me so much that I take up the entire screen for a good six seconds. And it's like, I went and I saw it in the theater a couple of weeks after it came out because people were like telling me, Rita, you're like in it, in it. And then I found out I'm also in the trailer. That little clip of me not only made it in this big ass movie, but also in the trailer. It's crazy to think about that none of this would have happened if I didn't just say yes to that little scary moment back in Chicago when I was working in this cubicle and filled out this random application for this tour, changed my life forever. I would have been married with kids by now, guarantee you.
Guarantee you. Miserable, wow. married with kids, hating my life for sure. Not that marriage and kids makes you hate your life, but I wouldn't have explored my life in the way that I did. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have explored my life in the way that I did and, and discovered who I am and be on this current path that I'm on. So if I Google the hangover and then you said what what reference? So you type in the hangover stews shining moment. S T U apostrophe S. Stew's shining moment. Let's see for sure. And the, the YouTube clip comes up. All right. Let's <laughs> yeah, see. Funny. All right. So the hangover. Stew's shining scene or moment? Moment. Moment. All right, let's see what comes up. <laughs> All right. Stu's shining moment. All right. It's crazy to think about that that was like 12 years ago or so. Let's see. When was that? 2008, nine, nine. Oh, you're by the pool? Yeah. That was you? All right. I saw it. That was you. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> oh, hold on. I got to go back to that. Hold on. <laughs> oh, shit. That is you. <laughs> I think I need an it's so crazy. Are you, is that it? Or that you don't pop up no, anywhere that's, else? Yeah. No, no, that's it. I am lurking in the background, though, but that's really what I thought it was going to be. Oh, oh my God. That was it's so, so crazy. Yeah. Come on. What and then a when, story. You, when you look up, I know, right? It's wild. And when you look up the, the trailer, you'll see that that same scene, there's like a flash of it in the trailer. Yeah. Think about this movie, this like whole movie and they pulled this little teeny tiny part of me and put it in there uh -huh. what are the odds of that that's crazy wow it's yeah I and so, so many more stories like this where i was just going with the flow and i end up backstage or you know i meet people that I just, I'm so open. That's the thing. I'd like to invite people to just be a little more open. Uh -huh. And especially now, it's so hard because of the pandemic that it's distancing us, not socially, just physically like six feet apart, mm -hmm. but because of the mask, we're not able to like smile at each other and connect like that with people anymore. They've instilled so much fear in people and it's just disconnecting us. It's sad. So I still, I wave at people. I, I say good morning. And I'm just, you know, luckily I have a dog, so he's greeting, you know, people before I get to, and it just opens the door. But I'd like to invite people just to be more open and expect magic, expect miracles, say yes to shit. Just trust your inspired, the, the first five seconds, your gut reaction, is it a yes? Go for it. Do it. Don't talk yourself out of it. And if you talk yourself out of it, talk yourself back into it. <laughs> I like, I really like that quote. I really like that quote. Say it again. So if you're feeling in the first five seconds, it's a yes. Don't don't talk yourself out of it. And if you do talk yourself out of it, talk yourself back into it because it was a yes for a reason. That was your inspired thought, your intuition, your inner being is like, yes, yes, yes. That's the direction you're supposed to go in. Do it, do it, do it. And then you talk yourself out of it. So talk yourself back into it and do it anyway and expect magic, expect miracles.
I can remember and recall moments like that. Yeah. Really? Tell yeah. me about one. Oh, uh, I believe it was moving back to the East Coast full time. You know, I was living in Vegas for three and a half years, and I just knew that it was, uh, you know, God just gave me a sign that it was time to leave. And I'm glad I did because I actually didn't question it, but I was thinking it was the it was the yes, but then I'm like, hmm, where would I live? Do I really want to be back there again? Like, I didn't overly question it, but it was just that scenario to where I knew I needed to do it. I knew I wanted to do it. It was a yes moment. But the only thing I thought of was like, where am I going to live? You know? Because, I mean, right. I come from the country, so I'm thinking, no, no bullshit. I was thinking, oh, God. And I literally was talking to the Lord. I was like, Please, I don't want a rental that's got paneling still or something, you know, like, can can I please find a place that's like up to date? Because I mean, I'm country country where I come from nice. and um, like near the border of Pennsylvania, like there's updated homes, there's new homes out here, but you know, it is Jersey and you know, I could pay more for a rental out here than I was living on the West Coast. And I was thinking, all right, I don't need a house. Um, there's no condos where I'm at. So, I mean, I would, like, not a large house. So, I, I am back in a home, in a 1,500-square-foot home. Uh, a family friend owns this house, and I'm very happy to have it. Um, but at the same time, it's like, it wasn't Vegas. It's not like, you know other places I lived in Santa Fe or LA, like you've got more opportunities of where you want to go and where you want to live and what style of a place you want to have where I'm from. It's like, mm -mm. you know, it's, 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 it's country. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that I can relate to that too. I had that when I was living in Vegas, I had that moment where I was like, I think I'm done here. Like you just feel it. I also felt it when I lived in New York after five years and I felt um, called to move back to Chicago. And when I say feel, I felt called, it's it's really your your intuition again. It's like something's not feeling right. Things have changed. Things have shifted within yourself. You just pay attention and you can notice a shift. You can notice something's different. And what happened for me was I forgave my dad after hating him for a decade or actually more. I would walk past him at Christmas time mm -hmm. and not even say a word to this man. And it was because of the upbringing we talked about earlier that I saw my mom staying no matter what. Like she was not happy and she was hiding it from us as best as she could. He was drinking, gambling, um, coming and going as he pleased, was a little verbally um, and physically abusive. I, I saw to my to my aunt one day. And he beat me black and blue when I was 17 one day. And it was just crazy to carry that with me and not even realize that I had been carrying that with me. It was stored in my body. That energy, that negative fear-based hate, anger, resentment, when you carry that in your body, you're emitting that energy, that frequency, and you're attracting that back into your life. So that's why I had all these toxic relationships. That's why I was self-sabotaging because I didn't believe I deserved anything better because of what I witnessed as a kid, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I realized um, that I was carrying this with me, it was because I was reading a book called A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. 
And I was laying on the beach in New York reading this book. And I got to this page about how holding on to anger, resentment and fear and all these negative low vibrating energies, like it, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And that hit so hard, Stephen. I was like, holy shit. I immediately thought of my dad and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I need to let this go. I need to let this go now, right? Because I'm literally killing myself just, and he probably doesn't even think twice about it in a day. Who knows? And so then this other part she mentioned is having empathy for your parents, for where they came from. You don't know what their childhood was like. You don't know what their upbringing was like, what demons they have, what um, dreams and hopes that they have carried with them all these years that didn't come into fruition. They feel disappointed. They feel like, who knows? Who knows what they feel? You don't know what they went through. You don't know what they grew up with and what belief system they have programmed in them. And so what she said was to have empathy and to to understand that they are doing the best that they know how. And that's it. He was doing the best he knew how. And so with that, I was able to be like, oh my gosh, I love you. I forgive you. I release this. I let it go. It no, it doesn't serve me. I'm sending you love. And that was it. I forgave him just like that. No conversation had to be had. No um, apology needed. Completely released it. And I felt it. You know how people say you feel the weight of the world off of your shoulders? That's exactly what happened. I felt lighter. And when you remove things like that from your, your being, from your body, you're removing that negative energy because it's occupying mental, emotional, physical space. You're releasing it. It makes room for love to come in. It makes room for higher vibrating energies, better things to come in because you're releasing that. I also realized that I had this crazy pain and tension in my neck and my shoulders all the time, and it's pretty much gone now. And so the reason I told you the story is because the calling I felt to move back to Chicago only happened after I did this, after I forgave my dad. I started to feel like, why am I in New York? Why am I not back home with my family? Why am I not, you know, like I'm standing, I'm, I'm here paying 2300 in rent in New York and I got my dog. I'm barely doing anything. I stay home. I cook, clean, organize shit. That's my life. I stopped going out. I stopped, stopped partying all the things. And I was like, why am I here? And I, every time I thought about my mom or my sister, or my dad, I would start crying. And that was a signal from my body mm-hmm. reacting to the thought that was the emotion. And then it triggered a feeling. And, and then my, my body was reacting physically with tears and sadness. And so that's what my calling was. Every time I thought about them, I would cry. And mind you, I had been gone for a decade. I never gave a shit. Some Christmases, I didn't even go back. Like, and now suddenly I care. And I care so much that I want to leave New York and move back to Chicago, where I said I would never, ever move back. You couldn't pay me. And I would never move back to Chicago. Now suddenly I want to move back and move back in with my family so I can be close to them. What is happening? (laughs) That's the magic of forgiveness. Like, it's crazy, but it's true. And so that's what I mean about feeling called. Like, it's this idea. It's this thought. It's this nagging feeling that you just listen to, you pay attention to, and you you take action on that. 
and trust that that's for you. Because what ended up happening when I moved back to Chicago and everything fell into place to allow me to do that, me getting out of my lease, me getting out of the teaching job that I had at one of these colleges in New York. And they found a replacement really quickly, which never happens mid-semester. So many things were just falling into place, allowing me to move because that was what was supposed to happen. Everything is supposed to be easy. Life is not supposed to be hard. If it's hard, you're going against the current that is meant for you. If, it, if you're in a relationship that takes a shit ton of work, it's not for you. There's friction there, not because it's meant to, like, it's not for you. And I can dive into that in another thing, but I'm not going to go off on that tangent. <laughs> but uh, when I got back to Chicago, right away, I saw why I was being pulled there. My sister needed me so badly. She was in a, in a relationship, in a marriage that she felt basically forced into because they had been together for so long and she never left Chicago. She has been, she had been immersed in the Assyrian culture where it's like, you have to get married. When you're getting married, you have to get married. When you're getting married. I pulled myself out of that. I had not been in that at all for like 10 years. And so for her to be in this marriage, for her to be in this situation where I saw her and I was like, oh my God, I don't even recognize you. She was dark and gloomy, depressed, sad, broken, miserable, not inspired, not living her passion, not even cooking anymore. Like that was her thing. She was Chef Lara. Like she was just amazing and such a light, such a joy, so much fun. And now she was this dark, she was this dark and gloomy thing. And I, I helped her out of that. I empowered her to get a divorce. And, st and not care what other people would say about it. Because I asked her one question. I said, do you want this to be your life for the rest of your life? And she looked at me dumbfounded, like, no. And I'm like, well, you know what you need to do then. And it's as simple as that. But we end up talking ourselves out of it. Oh, we've been together this many years. He's my best friend. What if I never find anyone? People will talk if I get a divorce. Like every, every excuse under the sun to keep you safe and in the familiar comfort zone comes up. And another reason I was called back was because I was supposed to meet this man who, because of him, I am now in California where I always said I would end up. And because of that relationship, I healed this, this thing of self-love where I didn't really truly love myself until I got through that relationship. And I healed so many things that, that, that I'm not going to really get into unless you want me to. But because of that relationship, I healed the last few things that I feel needed to, to heal in order for me to get to the next level of me, in order for me to step into my purpose, in order for me to claim myself as a holistic, intuitive health and life coach and what have you, and show up with this podcast and feel confident in my gifts and my abilities to, to help transform lives. None of this would have happened if I... I didn't trust my intuition and just say yes and go with the flow and believe it would all work out. And that is what I invite people to just trust themselves a little bit more. You're having this desire. You're having this feeling. You're having this inspired thought, especially over and over and over again, especially if it's on repeat. It is for you. It is for you to actualize. And you are the only one preventing it from happening. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You reminded me a lot. And, and honestly, to answer your answer or answer your question, um, the same thing with you is what brought me back to the East Coast. And, you know, I always put success and money first. Uh, you know, I was 
always believed my parents were going to be there. And when my mom was uh, killed on her way to work, um, uh, the, this guy, he had a, um, uh, a moment. Uh, he blacked out. He had diabetes really, really bad. And his, the, he hit the driver's side. He was coming in the opposite direction, hit the driver's side part of the car. And when I had seen the photos, because it was all over the news, I had asked the detectives, I said, how did my mom's car end up there and this guy's car ended up here? He said the way it ricocheted and bounced because they ended up both on a, the same side of the road, um, I just couldn't understand it, but the way that he described it and what really hit me and why one of the strongest things I know you know, to add into it, being back here is, um, I always believed I was going to have all the time in the world to see my mom, to see my dad. And, you know, the universe brought me back here to rekindle that relationship with my dad, to have an eye-opening, awakened moment to realize that um, I needed to take a break, that it was more than just success and and fame and everything else that I was doing in in the entertainment industry. Um, you know, I just was a machine. You know, working in public relations, I was a machine to everyone else and for everyone. I was a machine for myself, building my own career. And so I get it. And what's amazing is how you and I are aligned, um, and with the way you expressed and being absolutely transparent, Rita, is our lives are very similar. And everything of what you described is, you know, I went through just an alternate scenario, uh, same situation, just circumstances being slightly different. So I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. When you said that about your mom, my jaw dropped and I was like, wait, what? Oh my God. Yeah. And you, I, I love that you, you realized that and you, you paid attention to your intuition and all this is, this is the thing that people avoid because of fear and, and the whole thing of me feeling like, Oh my gosh, what, what is the point? What is the point of life? Why am I here? Why am I in New York by myself? Where I could go be with my family. Like, what is the point of life? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what made me go back to be around my mom, to be around my sister, to be around my family and, and just take some time off from what I was supposed to do. And that allowed me to just be free in a way that I had not been in such a long time. We're like slaves to these jobs that we have. We're slaves to the, the way that we're supposed to live our lives. But if we break ourselves away from these invisible chains and ask ourselves, like, who am I really? Why am I here? What's my purpose? What's the meaning of all this? Like asking these big questions, it, it, you end up going through this thing called the dark night of the soul. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, Stephen. No, no. Tell me about it. Oh, Google it. Google it. There's this one article that comes up. I think it's by thought.co, I think, or the Elephant Journal. I'm not sure. But it lists out these 13 different um, scenarios or examples of what it means to go through the dark night of the soul. And every single time I send it to someone who thinks they are depressed or who I think might be depressed, they are going through this says here the term dark night of the soul is a roman is this it roman catholic spirituality describing a spiritual crisis and a journey toward union with god essentially yeah 
Um, I think it was the article that I liked was by medium.com. I'm not Found it. sure. Found yeah. It medium. Yeah. It breaks it. It should be the one that breaks it down by like 13. No, maybe that was the other one. It says the cool, dark, the dark night of the soul is a stage in personal development. When a person undergoes a difficult and significant transition to a deeper perception of life and their place in it. Yeah. Yeah. You start to basically go like, why am I here? What's the purpose? Um, you know, those big questions. And so the one article um, that I found, it had, it's by thought catalog. Actually, I just found it. You're confused because you feel like you should be happy, but you're not. This mm -hmm. is the thing that I actually went through with my recent ex. Like he thought moving to California was going to make him happy and it didn't. And it was because there's um, so the, ex, the the thing is that when you're seeking something externally to make you happy, it needs to be addressed internally. What you're seeking externally needs to be addressed internally. So if you're confused because you feel like you should be happy, you have everything working for you and you have a great job and you have a nice car and you have a good looking girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, and everything is, is the way that it should be, but you're not happy. That is the thing of the dark night of the soul. It comes up right at the moment with, which like you have every reason to be happy and you're like, why am I not happy? And then you start to break down and you're chasing things outside of you to make you happy. And that's not going to do it. And then um, another thing is about um, feeling stuck or lost or confused. Because for me, I was, I was like, what, what, what's my purpose? What's my calling? What am I supposed to do? I'm good at this, that, and the other, but how do I turn that into, or how is that my purpose? I'm not good enough for that. And that imposter syndrome creeps up. I didn't know how to, um, you basically like lose the old you and you're stepping into the new you, but then you're kind of lost in this little middle gray area where you're not completely detached from your old self and you're not fully stepped into your new self. So you feel like stuck or lost and you don't know how to move forward. Things just change. You you feel like you no longer, the things that mattered before, and I think COVID did this for a lot of people, the things that mattered so much before don't seem to matter as much anymore. And you don't care if people like you, you don't try to impress anyone. And you just start to rethink what like success really means to you. And it's not identified by what you have anymore. And you get in tune with your inner child and you discover what things made you the way you are. And you begin to realize that you don't have to suffer and you start to heal the, the, the old self, the wounds that you took on from when you were a child that you don't even realize that are in your subconscious that are running the program that is you as an adult. So that's just a couple of things about it. But I went through that. I was crying my eyes out for, I don't know, two, three weeks straight every single day. Couldn't get me out of bed, miserable, seeing a therapist. I didn't know what was wrong. I had a good job. I had a nice apartment. I had a nice car, everything. I was living in New York. I had a cute dog. Like I was dating. It was fun. But what was, what, why was I not happy? Right. So that's when you realize you go through that dark night of the soul. When and you I have everything. I found a thought catalog one and. Your sleeping habits, number 13, your sleeping habits are irregular. You're hungrier than usual or not hungry at all. You're sometimes so overwhelmed by emotion that you feel like you can't function. 
The most important thing to remember during a dark night of the soul is that you must get more rest than usual. You need to take it easy. Your whole body is recalibrating and it's only natural that you're going to have some, perhaps literal, growing growing pains. I can remember yeah. going through that moving back moving back to the East Coast. Like my I like boy was my eating habits up and down, up and down. And I was like, am I binge eating because I'm feeling, you know, bored? Like what's going on? Then when I went to mm-hmm. the doctor and had my blood work done, everything was perfect, but my cholesterol and I'm like, uh, how the hell could it end up over two hundreds? Like I'm only 156 pounds. You know? Wow. But one of the other things that stand out really impressive is number seven. And I, as you were sharing, I read it twice. You're radically rethinking your idea of success. You begin listening to the countless warnings that fame and wealth and success is not the luxury life that you think it is. You begin realizing that you don't really want any of it anymore. You're relying on the idea of it to soothe some fear or insecurity you have about your own worthlessness. And as you were sharing, I was reading that and I was thinking, for some reason I can relate to that and that applies to me. Going back to, like I said, I put career and success and money first. And then once my mom, you know, was killed on her way to work, and then I realized, all right, what's the change that God, the universe, all the above, what is the the message? And I'm thinking to myself, no wonder why I run like a machine and I work mm-hmm. like a machine. Because in for me, I ran from my past. And because I ran from my past, or more specifically, my biological family, and that past, I always, and I was adopted, and I always felt that I needed and to be responsible to be a great representation for the family that took me in, who believed in me and loved me and felt that I was worth being loved. And, uh, you know, having my family be in military, law enforcement, uh, government, medical field. And then, you know, I wasn't ashamed of my biological family because I felt that they taught me the reality of life, the darkness of life, what to look out for. I mean, they struggled with addiction, alcoholism, drug addiction. You know, they ran their ran the business into the ground uh, because of greed and everything else like that. And I thought to myself, you know, I want to be a good representation. And my grandfather was the epitome before he died of, you know, what my family was about. He, you know, old Italian Sicilian, you know, man. And with that, I realized with reading this, you know, I felt that I didn't, I wanted to be worthy for both of my families because I learned and acquired the knowledge and the ability to be who I am in every way and to help other people to be successful, that I had something I needed to live up to. And after my mother's death, I was like, dang, it's like, you know, she was a deacon in a church. She was a missionary. Uh, She worked with uh, patients who had struggled with AIDS back in the 80s and 90s. Um, You know, she did a lot. And when she had passed away, they did a huge uh, local press media and the top publications out here in the New Jersey area. And, um, I just really realized, I'm really glad you brought that up, Rita, and I'm going to read this and go to go through it more extensively, uh, later on this weekend. 
And uh, just with that, how many times do people, everyone, everyone in this world deals with the aspect and the potential emotional and mental, um, you know, things and ideas and thoughts of worthlessness. Because if you look at what everyone does, it all is around the realm of worthlessness. Even what you see on LinkedIn, people who are doing drop shipping and money, like I've never, ever in my life had witness to where I turn on television, I go on Instagram, I go on Triller, I go on TikTok. Everything is a marketing um, scheme, scam, idea, whether it's legit or not. It's like everything is surrounded by money and I don't see talent. I work in the, the field of film and reality television and and, and, you know, music. And it's like, I don't see talent anymore. It's just sell, 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 consume, 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 and buy. And it's like really, really perplexing. And I'm going to let you take the mic. It's just really perplexing to see that everything is a fucking selling business. And the number one question I have is, do you know who your clients are? Do you care to know who you're selling to? Do you want to know who you're selling to so you can build relationships, strong, great relationships so they can come back to because they trust you and what you're offering? And people don't fucking care for the most part. Am I making sense? Yeah, totally. I, I agree. It has definitely shifted. It's changed so much. People are just consuming, consuming, consuming and losing themselves in the process. And they're not being, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I've, I've, I've noticed that too. I'm glad you brought that up. I feel that as well. I'm like, and, and with the way that technology has, you know, blown up and people are forced now to stay home and they're, they're online more and more and people are stepping into uh, online businesses, you know, so I think that's really what pushed it in that direction. But I agree. There's just this lack of, uh, how do you put it? Talent. The lack of showing people's talent. Yeah. Or creativity. It's, yeah. it's almost like you've, you've got to go to Netflix or you need to turn on pay TV to watch something entertaining because there's, for me working in the entertainment industry, I don't see creative talent as much online as I used to. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole thing of I'm not, not worthy, um, that's a limiting belief that that people have. Like we, they tell themselves, oh, you're not enough. You're not worthy. You don't deserve it. And just it's kind of like even maybe you're not smart enough. And who do you think you are? You're not good enough for this. You don't deserve this or that person or this or that job. Um, we all have this voice. It's kind of like this uh, this gremlin or something in our in our in our minds that's telling us. Um, these these illogical messages is based on our past, like we talked about earlier, and it just blocks you and it makes you live a life that you think you're supposed to live, but also blocks you from the life that you you dream of living. And so I wonder if all these people are going with um, what you're saying, they're they're just moving in that direction because they think that's what they're supposed to do, right? It is. Um, I'm going to have to say it is because you know there are more. There are people who are looking for answers. They're trying to get out of pain. They're trying to find great resourcing to help themselves, their children, their families. So if something seems to be 
worthwhile to invest in, uh, take very little risk, maybe no money, very little money, they're going to try it. They're going to do it. But there's a lack of responsibility in the messaging that I'm finding. And when I come across something to when a business or a person or a company is like, pay me or pay for this service, uh, yeah, there's no guarantees in life. But before doing that, prove to me why. And there really is a lack of substantial proof of what these business successes really mean because you don't really get to see their bank account. You don't get to see right. or know, are they really in debt? How much have they borrowed? How much have they invested? Where are they going and recycling maybe some of these resources and assets into it? It's just to show, Ooh, look quick at this. And, um, it's never the time. We all know this. It's never the time to take advantage of someone innocently. But even more now, I'm going to tell you, it is deplorable of the lack of consideration people are having uh, for others during this stressful time. Yeah, it's really sad. And that's the thing is I, I circle, or in my circle, if you will, I surround myself with people that are being of service, that truly care about uh, making the world a better place than they, you know, came into it, like leaving it better than it was, or in some way helping people in some way. So I, that's, that's the energy that I try to stay in. And it's, it's crazy because I don't watch the news. I have no idea what's going on at all, at all. And I'm, a, I'm in this little happy bubble and some would argue that that's irresponsible or I don't know, but for me, it keeps me happy. It keeps me feeling joy. It just has me living my life more on purpose than reactive to what's happening in the world. That is part of this whole, you know, trying to get me to think a certain way or live a certain way, or I don't know. I want to thank everyone for joining Rita Pira, holistic life coach, speaker, writer, and manifesting queen. And one gorgeous, gorgeous young lady who's actually a sophisticated, stunning woman. Aww. Live on air with Stephen Quoke on Power 98.5. I want to thank you for to everyone for tuning in on the Power 98.5 satellite radio app on, and she's going to say something because it happens every time I say it, on Alexa. We are now on radio.com. Very, very happy to be on air. I always say radio.com is the tune in, the Sirius XM of radio. Uh, but you always can start at home first, downloading the Power 98.5 satellite radio app, iOS or Android, adding it in your Alexa skill. You can go to www.power985.com, uh, live 24-7, music, news, and all things awesome in my opinion that's directed to 100 percent content really no bullshit of commercial advertising uh, and uh, rita we're gonna have you back on live on the show i really like doing this through clubhouse be able to give opportunity where and when need be when someone wants to tune in and listen add in definitely want to see about getting uh or having uh, any questions uh, brought in on Clubhouse of anyone that comes into the room? I know that this is a shock to a lot of people. Um, you know, uh, what, a live radio show? Live, you know, satellite radio on Clubhouse? Yeah, 
And uh, it's, it, you know, I'm the type that believes in doing something different and breaking up the minutia. And there are some great rooms on here, but uh, I rather make it media and publicity because I am public relations and media. So whenever and wherever I like to help give voice to just as what Rita has done today for everyone. And like I said, Rita, we're going to get back on. We're going to go uh, deeper into your podcast, deeper into the style and type of work that you offer your clients. But what I would like to do is to just get a little bit of a plug in. So if someone wants to work with you, what do you recommend? Because I know you have one-on-one -on -one coaching. You do have memberships. You do have uh, Refine Your Life Academy group coaching. What is the common uh, I would say approach or more specifically, what would be the best approach for someone who would want to connect with you and work with you? Thank you so much. It's been so much fun talking with you and I'm excited to come back. And yes, if anyone is interested in connecting with me, you can find me on all social media platforms through Instagram, Clubhouse, TikTok, all the things. It's, it, they're all the same at Raw Vegan Rita. And then you can go to my website. It's just ritapira.com. And there is a coaching application there if you're interested. I also have my podcast, Trading Raw Story. So I would say start there. If you like what you heard today, there are more stories like that. And also guests that are, that are coming on that are sharing their journeys. Um, people that have lived quite the life and are proving that you can achieve whatever it is that you think about that you allow imposter syndrome to get in the way. But if you go to my Instagram at raw vegan Rita, there's a link there in my bio, you'll find all the things and just click on whatever speaks to you. And who would be the ideal client? Any anyone going through anything or what stands out the most to you? Just so that someone yeah. when they know, like, what would be the key note or idea to know when you are ready to work with you? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So if you're feeling like you have some limiting beliefs blocking you, you get in your own way, you might be self-sabotaging or feeling this imposter syndrome, or you're not sure what your purpose is, what your calling is, and you have things that you're good at and you want to figure out how to package them and sell them and create a business out of them. Or if you need help with your health or you're feeling like you want to try the plant-based world or do a juicing cleanse or something like that or just have more fun in life and understand that you are here not to suffer, but to turn your passions and your purpose into your calling and into profit. And I can help you with redefining your life. And that's the program that I have called Redefine Your Life Academy, so. Love it. Like I said, Rita, let's plan on, if not this month, and now I've got some travel to Los Angeles. Uh, supposed to be doing a, uh, my friend JT Hassel from the New York Jets going to do a live interview with him. He just came out with a book and uh, uh, working with the guys at uh, Sanava Photography. Going to do a nice uh, media campaign spread for the article and for his interview with me on Power 98.5. And so with that, uh, I definitely- That's like, awesome. Thank you. You should invite me. Um, I live like two hours away. I'll come drive down. And Do you really? <laughs> yeah. No bullshit. I, I was supposed to, or at least we're planning for the weekend of the 27th. Um, I'm so there. Oh my God. We, we definitely, definitely have got to uh, 
to be in touch for that. So yeah, JT. And then uh, I'm trying to get another celebrity or someone for them for that because they want to get somebody on there. So I reached out and I always, I don't mean, forgive me, Cam. I don't mean to screw up your name, last name. But remember, no, Cam Gagat, Gagat. He played the vampire no. in Twilight. He also played in the movie uh, with Cher Burlesque. Don't I mean, don't know. How can you not know who Cam is? Oh I don't my know. God. So yeah, I'm working is to see what else that we can do. But yeah, supposed to be there the weekend of the 27th. Uh, but awesome. I, like I said, I want to recap, go a little bit more into your work. I mean, wow, I can't believe an hour and 35 minutes. I, I don't, like I told you, I don't time things. I let the energy go where it needs to go. And congratulations on you from the films you've been in, you know, the hangover meeting, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, <laughs> this totally unfolded in a way that I did not uh, expect. And I don't, cause I know, you know, by giving you guys this platform, you know, you're going to go with letting your narrative unfold naturally and organically. So I'm always looking forward to finding out more about you, but definitely head over to Rita Pira, <clears throat> R-I-T-A-P-I-R-A.com. Work with me. She's got all the details there, contact information. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to click on the podcast, but <clears throat> Excuse me, Rita is a holistic life coach, speaker, writer, and manifesting queen, and one of the most gorgeous women on earth to where uh -huh. when you do decide that you want to date or be in a relationship, I wouldn't doubt that you would end up on one of the Real Housewives series because you're that <laughs> stunning. You're that you. stunning. I um, love you so much. <laughs> hey, I'm serious. And then let's see here. We've got your podcast and just drop a real quick gem about that of what you're covering. What are your stories? Who do you interview? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. It's no outlines, no scripts, no research, no plans, interview questions or pre-meetings. It is raw and real, authentic, genuine, heart to heart, soul to soul connections. And I do uh, one on like just solo episodes too. But when I have someone come on, we find that we have a ton in common. They could be someone who's been in some sort of industry like for example um Forbes Riley I don't know if you're familiar I'm very with familiar with Forbes be, yeah she reached out to be on my podcast and just a couple of people that work with um Grant Cardone and so many amazing people I've connected with through Clubhouse that are coming on and I'd love to have you come on too Steven Let, you know um, what let's plan yeah, it. basically let's do it but go ahead let's do it for sure but listening to this podcast is kind of like having your own team of like health and life coaches. And it's just a matter of helping you to feel inspired, helping you to feel motivated, helping you to heal your shit and live your life's purpose, basically. <laughs> Let me see what's in my schedule. And I I'm 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 ready I'm, and I'm super inspired because it's like I'm extraordinary, extraordinarily picky about where I go and what platforms you know, that I go on and I, I have no hesitation on going on yours. I just want to make sure that everything is a win-win. That's part of the PR, you know, who I am and what I do is, you know, and, and I would do that for clients and do that for myself. Like it just has to have purpose. It has to have a connection. You know, I'm not for about, sure. I'm not about encouraging you or anyone else or even myself to be like, Hey, get into that magazine, get into that, that article, go get interviewed here, get onto a, you know, a radio show or podcast, um, 
you know, I just, it's not authentic enough for me. And I believe that you deserve more respect. Look at how we came to this for, you know, getting you on radio, doing this live. And isn't it interesting to do this through Clubhouse? And this is your first time. Yeah, it's very cool. I'm, I'm so grateful. And I love that we connected through Clubhouse and are developing this lovely relationship. And I hope that when you are in LA, you do give me a call because I will drive my ass over there to meet you. Well, well, listen, I am going <laughs> to tell myself because I don't like to make promises because you never know what's going to happen or come up. But I am telling myself to remember and I'm letting you know that I'm attentively the plane ticket hasn't been procured yet. But uh, it's right now we're getting it set February 27th photo shoot JT Hassel from the New York Jets and uh working my magic to see who else we can get for this photo shoot. But, uh, but yeah, you can hold me to it. Remember it. You can remind <laughs> me, be like Stephen. Hey, um, sometimes I can be a little bit self-absorbed because I just like to keep things and options open. And with this whole coronavirus thing, I want to make sure you're protected and we're all protected. Cause I don't know if you've noticed this, but there have been some projects during this time, um, within the last year to where, uh, People who weren't meant to show up didn't show up, and those that were meant to be there and to show up um, have, and uh, it's quite interesting. So I'm I'm taking less control, making the plans, but taking less control and allowing what's meant to happen to happen, and it's taking that me a That is how long. I live my life. Yeah, so. it's taking me a long <laughs> awesome. time to get like that. So, yeah. Rita. I usually say stay on the line because we usually do live phone, but we are live on Clubhouse on the Clubhouse app. We are live on YouTube and Facebook. Alexa, get the Power 98.5 satellite radio app. It's available on iOS and Android. We are also live and stream 24-7 on streamenter.com, stream a radio line, my tuner, and now one of the top, top, radio platforms for fm and satellite radio.com rita thank you very much you're awesome you're beautiful i'm now always going to remember you being on the hangover being on the movie <laughs> the hangover <laughs> thank you so much it's been such an honor i'm so grateful to have spent this time with you Stephen. i can't wait to talk to you again thank you everyone for joining rita pira and i live on air with Stephen croco on power 98.5 have a good night. Good night. Connect.